ideally where you want to be is like medium to low risk with high reward mm. in a short to medium time frame. That's like the sweet spot. Yeah. But sometimes you have to make these like high risk moves that could pay off really well, but could also blow up. Welcome to Startup Jobs, a podcast where we explore all the different jobs in a tech startup. What exactly are they and what have we learned from scaling teams from the inside? While most startup content focuses on the founder or investor or specific area like marketing, this show is about accelerating your personal and career growth journey in whatever startup job is best for you. Yeah, exactly, Kai. Like this show is about you. We want you to be the very best that you can be. Back in the studio, Mike. Woo, good to be here. And rolling straight into today, a very, uh, I would say it, it could it could be a boring topic to some people in some contexts. It could be a very- It's never boring. Nerve-wracking, exciting topic for others. Uh, we're going to talk about risk mm. today. Um, risk in a startup is exciting. Ri- yes, risk in a textbook is not, um, <laughs> but, but risk in a startup is. Um, and the reason this one came to mind for me was- um, Obviously, the recently uh, sad news that uh, one of the sort of startups in uh, Australia, Milk Run, which is sort mm-hmm. of a, a very quick uh, grocery delivery service, has folded um, this week. And we are not becoming a sort of this week in startups show. Um, that's not to, not to break the news for you, but it's to discuss the nature of startups mm-hmm. and the nature of risk. Um, mm. We started this show with episode one. And we said the one thing all great startups have in common is growth. Mm. Um, and the nature of growth and the, the nature of a lot of startups, um, particularly the venture-backed ones, is that mm. you're growing ahead of the curve, right? You're, yep. um, you're taking risks to grow quickly. Um, and I just wanted to share a really interesting quote, uh, actually from Airtrade partner um, Jackie Vullings. Um, she said, Milkrun executed an ambitious vision which forced incumbents to invest in improving their offerings. We knew the business wouldn't be profitable from day one and would require material scale to achieve profitability. As a seed stage investment, we felt this risk was justified by the size of the upside. Mm -hmm. The economic environment shifted quickly and so did the sentiment of growth investors. And despite great efforts from the team to adjust, they were not able to find a path to break even with the remaining funds available. Mm. Failure is a part of VC and we will continue to back outlier founders at the earliest stages of the journey. Um, I, I think that's a great take, um, but I think it also really nicely summarizes the nature of Milkrun and any other company which goes bust uh, in this sort of startup, fast growth, VC-backed world. Um, and, you know, Zipline is a, is a startup which has taken venture funding mm. and, um, and we uh, are not profitable, right? Like it, it's, it's, it's something that we have to sort of rely on venture capital to pay salaries amongst sort of customer cash. So mm-hmm. I think it'd be really interesting to chat about today. And, and firstly, want to get your perspective on risk as mm. a founder, Mike, as, as, as yourself and mm. as you as a human, your risk tolerance, um, how that plays into a startup. And then we could talk about the implications for someone in a startup working mm. there, but let's start there. So there's a few ways of slicing risk. One is... Um, how much risk am I willing to take on us falling over in going after a particular product or a segment or thinking we can do so much or there's a bunch of risky decisions that you make there that are going to be on a risk scale that may be higher than other people. So I think that's one lens of risk. Yeah. 
I think the other lens of risk is effectively how hard you're pushing the overall company for it to sort of either blow up or blow up, <laughs> blow up positive or <laughs> yeah, blow yeah. up negative, right? <laughs> uh, it'll blow up positive in, in being a, a 10, 100 exa um, or it'll blow up negative like Milk Run where it explodes very quickly. And so I think this is where, you know, sort of as you were talking, I was just, you know, uh, doodling. So, I, um, you know, we, we, we hadn't prepped for this and so I was just, as you, as you were talking, I kind of drew a, an axis of, of on sort of goes, you know, on, on the, on the vertical axis, it was like risk high to low. Yep. Um, and then on the horizontal axis was time. Um, and so I think the, what what's really tough is if you go high risk, low time, um, then, then it's tough because if you don't land, you know, to sort of use a skateboarding analogy, like a high risk move would be, um, an ollie <laughs> or a kickflip yep. before you've learned how to do that trick. And then if you've got a like if you've got a short period of time, you gotta land that hard trick or you imagine diving, you've got to land a high score trick and you've only got a, a day or two to land it and you've got a short period of time. Like that's super that's super risky. Uh, and it, you're either gonna be a, a bloody genius and, and <laughs> incredible or you're gonna belly flop and it's gonna be really <laughs> embarrassing. You know, I think where you've got like re- high to medium risk but you've got long time um you know that, that that that's a good place to be in because you get to have multiple shots uh over the period of time so you're always balancing time with risk yeah um and it's interesting yeah you, you yeah you and, and and so this ultimately always comes down to yeah the growth equation because you know we're, 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 we're trying to push um building a company in five ten years as to what other companies may take 30 years to do and so yeah like you're always um needing to make smart decisions around where is there risk that could potentially uh, pay off? Like, so, you know, high risk. Uh, ideally, where you want to be is like medium to low risk with high reward mm. in a short to medium time frame. That's like the sweet spot. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you have to make these like high risk moves um, that could pay off really well, but could also blow up. I mean, ideally, you don't make many of those decisions where the company could literally fall over like that, that, that sort of sucks. Yeah. Um, so we can talk about how different VCs uh, sit on this spectrum as well. Um, because we've, you know, at Zipline, just sort of speaking for our scenario and like my personal take on it is I tend to be on the, the medium risk to medium long time. Um, and so you want to align that with the, the capital that you take on, with the, with the cash that you take and the, the types of investors and partners because if you're not on the same page there, if they're wanting a high risk, high return, they're willing to put, you know, they're willing to put their chips on 10 companies knowing that one ideally can 100x, two mm. can 10x and they're fine with five to six dying, right, which is the the, the higher end of that VC model right like so that 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 air tree comment that, that jackie mentioned i know jackie um and that makes sense and and that's fine that's that's a that's a perfectly fine you know thesis because out of that comes um you know out of that comes uber and, and a bunch of really great you know companies right um we prefer to be on the side where it's we're taking medium risk at times we're taking high um but we want to be able to have multiple shots and we want to work with partners where um they're in the fetal position crying if any one of their companies die. So uh, like on the scale of venture, there's like high, very, very high risk, like super aggressive um, VC. Not saying Ed Tree's necessarily there, but there's that very, very um, 
you know, on, on, on the far on the far right. Um, and then there's on the far left would probably be something like um, private equity or like more traditional uh, investing. Yeah. We can unpack private equity and PE later um, if need be. In, in the middle ground, uh, it's, and this is sort of where we sit and where I sit personally, in the US, they often call them um, growth equity firms. So they're not PE, they're sort of growth equity. Okay. Um, Five Elms is a, is a good example. There's a whole heap um, in the US like this. Um, and EVP is very similar like in Australia. And that's where they're, they're saying, well, look, we want every company to at least three, five X in the next three to five years. And if there's a handful that can 10x or greater, like fantastic. We're not going to say no. <laughs> yeah, but we'll be in the fetal position and dying, you know, if two or three out of 10 uh, fail. Now, some of that is realistic because, you know, you're taking a, a growth risk um, bet, but they're not going, I'll screw it, like five to seven out of the 10 can die. We're totally fine with that because we're going to, it's called the power law. Like the, mm. the, the, the power law basically says, you know, one out of the 10, if they... 20, 50, 100x, then what they return totally justifies five to seven dying. Yeah. Um, now, if you if, if you take money from uh, that style, that, that could be perfectly fine for, you know, risky uh, bets like, like Milk Run. Um, and ultimately, they probably only had a handful of years to prove out that model as well. So mm. take on a bunch of cash. Let's see if we can figure this out in a handful of models. Now, it's emotionally taxing for people involved and, and what have you, but it can also pay off, right? Like we wouldn't have a bunch of companies today if that didn't exist. And so, yeah, I tend to sit personally in the, 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 the mid-tier of that, of that. And I think um, it works well with like, let's, 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 let's push where we can. Let's be smart in pushing where we can on high risk. But like we're ultimately optimizing for being a great enduring company for the long term. Like I'm not here to try to make any moves where we could, where we could go bust. That's uh, it's a, it's a useful way to think about it as well, as you say, with the risk and time. Um, mm. I think that's, that's, that's good to understand. I, not because you weren't doing a good job of it, because I think we probably even skipped the first part. Like okay. what even is risk? Yeah, sure. Um, I asked chat GPT oh, yeah. and I said, Hey, explain the concept of risk to a five-year-old. <laughs> um, not bad actually. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to read a little snippet um, because I think this is now going to spin probably into a, a good sort of follow-up. Risk is something that might happen that could be harmful or dangerous. Yes. For example, if you're playing outside and you climb up a, climb up a really high tree, there's a risk that you might fall and hurt yourself. Yeah. But sometimes taking risks can be fun and exciting, like climbing up that big tree or trying a new sport. But it's important to understand the risks involved and to make sure you're being safe. Riding a helmet when you ride your bike, staying within a safe area when you climb a tree. When you hear the word risk, just remember that it means there's a possibility of something bad happening. Mm. I think that's... that's but like. Frankly, like it just at its simplest terms, that's that makes sense, right? Yeah, and like if you if you're taking risk with no upside, that's terrible. Yeah, right. Like yes. if you're climbing trees with no apples, like just to um, yeah, I, I get you know with a blindfold. Yeah, like you know. that that's just bad. Like there, there's no upside, and you're taking a bunch of risk. Like I think uh, a better analogy would be actually our you know ancestors and where you know most of our um, <laughs> like where most of our source code comes from, you know, it was on the savannah and it would be someone out hunting, right? And yes. so there will be someone in that pack that was probably higher risk tolerance. And so they were willing to jump out of that bush and go off and spear that deer and go after it. Now, they also put themselves in the biggest position to get mauled by a tiger. Yep. <laughs> um, but be the champion when they return. Right, but then they got the biggest, yeah, they got the biggest, they got the biggest prize. And so I think there's many examples of, 
um, where the risk is high and the prize is high. Like, you know, some people are going to be more willing to have a crack at that. Now, ideally, you want to be, um, you know, thinking through risk from the perspective of, yeah, like what is the potential upside here? And it's worth like linking to the working with a founder because I think founders, the episode that we did on like working with a founder, I think yeah. founders tend to be very high on risk tolerance. Um, so I, I, I have an extremely high tolerance uh, to risk and also very extremely high tolerance to chaos. Like I don't mind chaos and like lack of process and mm. what have you. And I get excited about the potential opportunity. I see the apples, I see the deer more than I see the tiger and the falling. And that also lends into, you know, optimism um, as well. Mm. And so uh, I'm going to optimize more for the upside and I know that there is some of that risk, but I'm willing to take that. Now, what's useful when working with a founder, knowing that is, you know, people like Ivan, you know, uh, our COO, he tends to be more uh, pragmatically pessimistic, right? So he's going to keep me in check to go, that's fine, like run out and like go for that tiger. But did you hear, you know, Johnny yesterday said that he spotted, a, you know, a tiger with some cubs nearby. Like, yeah. do, do, you, do you maybe just want to think about it yeah. <laughs> before jumping out right now? You talk about the term sort of packing your backpack. Yes. Um, and uh, and that that's, we can do a whole episode on that. What I want to sort of end on here is, you know, if you're someone reading the headlines about Milk Run or, you know, insert, we're not picking on Milk Run and, and we're sorry for I mean, all be that a whole, happening. There'll a whole bunch of companies that bust, particularly in this macro exactly, environment that's right? changing. So any, any company that's in that same situation, and um, you see that and you go, okay, well, that is... That is the that is the downside of risk. That is the falling off the tree, mm-hmm. um, and not getting the apples in the way that they'd hoped. If you're someone wanting to jump into startups, mm. let's say you're you know you're working at a, at oh, a I see this big bank, going. or you're spending some time in in sort of small business or local government or whatever, yeah, and you're wanting the hurt locker, you're wanting you know you enjoy the sort of you know pace, yeah, um, the personal growth, yep, all that sort of stuff. How do you sort of go home to your husband or wife right. or your partner or frankly your mum and dad yourself yep um your friends your like how how do you sort of sort of reason with yourself and others around you that you care about mm-hmm. that jumping into an environment which is not too many steps removed from a milk run yep um you know giving and taking that sort of um that risk and time tolerance mm. how do you justify that what is like what are the apples and, you know, what's the upside and, and what's the downside? How do you make that calculation as someone, not as a founder, yeah. but as someone wanting to get a startup job? Ooh, okay, I'll try not to go make this a 10-minute answer. I think, because <laughs> there's so much to this. And we've unpacked um, some of these things before. But. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, the first thing is, is this a, there's three types of startups. There's marketplace startups, B2B startups, and B2C startups, right? So, business to consumer, business to business, or marketplace. They tend to be the three. Now, of the three, consumer is generally the riskiest and it's also like fairly easy to quickly assess whether this thing's going to you know, burn out um, and flame out uh, or has this got like a really interesting shot. Mm. And so I think if you joined Afterpay, as an example, in the first two years, you you know, B, a B2C, they have a B2C, B2B element to it. But like, I think you would have been able to draw a line to go, actually, this 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 really has a shot at, at, at being big, but we could we could flame out, right? Yeah. Uh, I think Milk Run was a little bit clearer to just use their example. And just for the, for the international listeners, um, they were effectively a, um, like an Uber Eats 
on steroids from groceries in under like 10, 15 minutes. Um, by the way, I actually think that model um, couldn't work in like just now. Like yes. I, I personally think that they were five years ahead. Uh, I think inst- mm. instant groceries will be a segment. TBC where the Uber Eats, you know, um, I actually think it needs drone deliveries to make that work. Um, yeah. Just a side note. Um, but I think you probably could have made that assessment and certainly all the people close to me and, you know, the group chats that I'm in, you know, today um, were saying uh, absolutely correct pain, like, but the economics were never going to stack up. And then, of course, it just takes a interest rate rise and the macroeconomics to change and it sort of lands a death blow. Um, mm. But I think assessing B2C um, startups is, is a little easier because you can kind of draw a bit of a straight line as to, you know, are they acquiring customers well? Like, you know, how much money are they actually losing? <laughs> um, like, have they got a shot at? Yeah, so I think you can do some, and and that we can point to some some areas and ways to make that assessment, you know, from afar or, or questions to ask through the interview process. I think B two B is a lot easier um, to quickly figure out, and I would probably put B two B, you know, SaaS companies, uh, startup companies, in in three buckets. I'd put them in maybe four buckets, like one very very early stage and i would classify this as sub 10 to 20 employees under definitely under one mil recurring revenue but probably under two mil recurring revenue that's pretty high risk like unless you can point to very strong product market fit and Single very sweet. yeah like that's a poor like certainly if they're in the first like five to ten and they don't have product market fit and they've got under a million arr like that's an 80 percent chance that thing's going to die yeah. um maybe even higher probably 95 percent chance that thing's going to die uh now it may have a slow death um may have a fast death but that thing like that's just that's just the law of, of numbers i think there's a there's a there's a safe spot past the tomb hill arr number um and depending how big their team is as well, like relative to that burn, you can kind of do some some back of napkins like maths. If they're if they're burning way too much money for that that two mil, you know, then it also starts getting riskier. Like, do they have a leaky bucket? That's usually one of the best things to to ask. Like, ask their NRR, like their net um, retained revenue. Interesting. Because um, if their NRR is very high, then and they're over two mil, that that business is pretty much unkillable. Like yep. that that it, like because. Uh, effectively you can scale your operations around we've got a product that customers love Mm -hmm. and they're never leaving us Um, and like really it's just an equation of how much money we spend to acquire new customers and to grow I think the so that's the second phase that sort of that messy are they in growth you know I'd put that in the sort of two to five mil ARR maybe two to ten depending where they are Um, but it's they're very unlikely unless it's highly incompetent founders or unless there's some sort of unforeseen market situation where i don't know google now you're completely dependent on google's api yeah Yeah. like and all of a sudden google cuts you off for that thing and then twitter yeah um (laughs) there are some companies that are that are that are very um it's called like single point of failure like is there a single point of failure Mm. if this service falls over if this regulation goes away like will it undercut their entire value prop and their entire like offering um they're pretty risky um but certainly that middle phase you're feeling like safer like it's not gonna you're i think the biggest risk in that middle phase is can this thing grow and can it actually be a potential lotto ticket because what you what you risk your probably biggest risk at that two to five maybe even two to ten is that it becomes something called the walking dead where Mm. they don't die but they're just like plodding along at ten 
percent year-on-year growth it's kind of going nowhere like customers have like mild apathy they're not like raving fans um the product's kind of in there and it's too hard to get rid of but they can't reliably win new customers and 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 grow and or you know maybe they're in a hyper niche and Mm. uh, they can't get outside of that niche they're tough ones um to be but you'll still learn a lot i think the third bucket's like pretty interesting sort of when they're five ten mil plus in annualized recurring revenue um probably like the five to to 20 30 that's a that's a really interesting sweet spot because the company's not going to die um for sure um and if they've got some good consistent growth happening and their retention is very high um you're not going to have to worry about from a risk perspective like is this thing gonna implode yeah if i just play that back and and maybe summarize Mm. um it sounds like you know obviously there's a whole bunch of risk reward in terms of um you know payouts and and things like that for founders and and sort of shareholders and there's a whole ESOP element to this you know share options yeah that that whole pool which we've talked about in a previous episode um putting that aside it sounds like the biggest upside is the amount of personal growth and professional growth growth, that you get um because we're sort of saying like you know not again we don't pick on people in this show but Canva an awesome company which is now quite a mature startup slash becoming a company kind of vibe. And that would be a harder place to feel like you can jump around lots of different departments and work closely with the CEO every day and all this sort of, you know, earlier stage stuff that we talk about in this show. Yes. Um, And that's fine because it's like, it's very hard to imagine Canva dying and and it's probably much easier to to convince your husband or wife about um, and, and call your brain's risk tolerance. I think that's the interesting thing. You jump into the earlier stage and that that sort of, you know, one to two mil and under, mm. like if that does work, like that is an incredibly high fidelity, like learning experience. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the thing that to sort of think about the risk tolerance for you is when you're joining a startup, it's really about how much personal growth do you want relative to the risk of that company dying. Yeah. And look, I know some people that say, I've got an opportunity to join this startup that like literally I'm going to be working with two founders and one other person. And I know that it's high, super high risk and it, it, it may, it may implode, but they've got enough cash. Then you should just really ask about runway. Um, mm. Okay. They've got enough cash to last a year and a half. Okay. Like I'm going to go in with a year and a half to go what an incredible, and I'm learning on someone else's dime, like someone yeah. else is paying my wage. Right. I'm not going out on my own and, and, and founding something. Yeah. And I'm going to learn and I'm going to get exposed to all that early messy stuff. And the value of that is what I'm really optimizing for. Yeah. And sure, I've got a free lotto ticket that could be you know, even greater, but I know that that, that, that likelihood is, you know, is low. Yeah. Um, but what I'm learning there, I think you know, what, what works really well is when you, get, when you get both. And I actually think both is possible. Like we have elements of both you know, now where you know, we're in that mid-stage can't die um, good growth, good sort of mid-stage in our scaling up. However, we're going after new markets or we're building new products that are very much zero to one. Like right. they're very much like... Not one to 10. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or, or scaling um, the same thing from seven to 15 uh, or 10 to 20. It, then it becomes more like, let's do this repeatable thing that we know works to this segment with this like offering. And so, um, you know, if, 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 if they've got good um, new product development chops or the ability to kind of go, like, they're, they're pretty exciting, right? So, like, where you're working 
um, in spotting new opportunities with current customers and we can spin up you know, new modules or new value props or we're like testing things, then you kind of get a, that, a bit of that early zero to one experience, but mm. within a broader safe environment, but you're also getting exposure to what good management looks like. There's good like scorecards and things are going green and red and like there's good company updates and there's good like one-on-ones with your manager. Like all of that does not exist in the, the zero to five, 10 employees. Like, like it's, an, a, it's yeah. an absolute shit show. Like there is no good management. There is no good structure. Like you'll barely get a good one-on-one. Like the, the, God, there won't even be like, you know, good scorecards and, you know, you can kiss goodbye, like good company updates and yes. the direction of where it's all going. Cause it's just utter chaos and we're going to run out of money and die in a year's time. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think there's a world where you can actually, they don't exist everywhere, but there is that opportunity of having your cake and eat it too in sort of a mid-stage company, which is highly still entrepreneurial yep. and able to build new products, build new modules, go into new segments. Um, like if you can kind of get exposure to that, then that's, that's a sweet spot. And there's a bunch of really great companies that are, that are good at that. Awesome. Let's, uh, let's get any final thoughts from you, Mike, on risk, the, uh, the pros, the cons, the realities of startups. Yeah, I mean, I think I would summarize it as like knowing what you're getting into and eyeballing and having a clear-eyed view of what the risk is, both the job that you're going for, where the company is, uh, how they make decisions on the risk tolerance and know that if you're engaging with a founder and they're making decisions, they're probably going to be a lot higher naturally on that risk tolerance. And so sometimes you're going to have to, you know, ride along, but you have a job and you have an important role to flag out, you know, some of the concerns that may be lurching around the corner that they haven't seen. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Startup Jobs. Uh, If something resonated with you in today's episode, please spread the love uh, and share it with someone in your network who might get something from it. Um, And while you're there, please leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Really helps us out in spreading the show, uh, getting it into the ears of new people uh, wanting to get into startup jobs. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next time.